All right. Hello, everybody and everyone on Facebook and those tuning in. I hope you guys are doing well. Joining us tonight is the one and only Kim Rodriguez and our very special guest all the way in Vincente Guerrero is Rich and Sam Payne. Say hello. Hi. Uh, hola. 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 That's, right. <laughs> That's so crazy. It's, how long have you guys been in Mexico now? Uh, it'll be, it was two years, uh, June 30th. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. That's absolutely, has that just flown by or what is that like? Yeah, it's, it's gone by quick and, and at times felt like a long time as well, but, um, no, it's gone by really quick. Yeah. The first year was definitely the hardest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. There, there's actually a really cool story we're going to get into later, actually how Rich and Sam uh, met in Mexico, but for those who don't know, Richie wasn't a missionary kid like Sam. He actually was from Camarillo, grew up at Pleasant Valley Baptist Church. He, he's, he's even played in our worship band at Journey, and him and I, we go way back, um, mm -hmm. back in our shenanigans, and, and we were more young and crazy. <laughs> I remember, I remember the day, uh, it sounds so bad, but I just remember, uh, that I would love going on these Mexico mission trips and what I would tell people like, yeah, there's like no rules down there. You can just like, do whatever you want, you know? And, uh, yeah. you know, I don't want to speak bad, but it was just funny. Like we would just be going in these trucks, like 70 miles an hour on these dirt roads that were so bad. Like you could fly out. We would just, it seemed like the wild west. We would buy fireworks. We would do all these things. And, you know, it, it just felt, um, yeah, it was, it was like a teenager dream. So. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was the best i looked i looked forward to those trips twice a year, so much they were great yeah yeah that's crazy and hey and richie speaking yeah. of the dream why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of the dream that god made uh, gave you that summer you came down short term to mexico that dream yeah um what well so that was yeah that was goodness okay that was six i was 16 um it was like uh, 16 years ago about and um i had just finished high school i finished early and i was going to start community college at moore park and we're down here in in, in vicente guerrero your brother jeff rodriguez is leading the group it was this, one of the smallest groups i've been on and um we were uh doing a, we were doing a tear down we we're tearing down the the I don't know if you could call it a house, but it was on your property, Kim. Yeah. And um, so that was fun. Demolishing stuff. Like normally we build, but we got to destroy on a trip. That was fun. <laughs> and that was lots of good stories there. But anyway, so we were hanging out. Um, uh, we were we were hanging out in uh, one of the missionaries churches and he was teaching. And I. uh I remember, yeah, I didn't know what he was saying at all. He was <laughs> preaching in Spanish. But I just remember feeling really strongly, um, well, backtrack, I felt very compromised because I was going to church, um, I had my church life, and then I had my rest of the week life. And I, so I just felt very compromised. I'm like, I know this is a right, but I don't know how to get out of this. And um, uh, I felt God really strongly just impressed on me don't go home and i'm like what and you, you know how at the end of the week you're here for a week you go home with your dad right mm -hmm. don't do that this time and it, 
it terrified me. I was, I remember crying and going, I can't do it. I was like, I'm starting community college. All my friends are back there, my family. And I said, no, I actually um, <laughs> turned God down. Very uh, loving and patient. And he gave me time. And I went to Moore Park and didn't really get much accomplished. And then uh, it was another trip down to Mexico um, in the springtime. And uh, and there was I remember there's a teaching from Travis Muller, uh that he's taught on that really just convicted me of not fully giving myself to what God was asking. And so I said, yeah, OK, I'll do it. And um, it didn't happen right away. There was some stuff. I, I actually uh, that summer I went to Slovakia with John Torres, Jeremy Kays. It was actually Jeremy Kays first trip, Kerry Kenny. And um, and then shortly after that trip to Slovakia is when I actually I went, came down to Mexico um, for six months. And during that, yeah, that six months, uh, we oh. had a, yeah, ow, yeah. <laughs> You almost messed that up, though, man. That was a good. Oh thing. no, I did totally. Oh yeah, if you guys want to hear that. But anyways, <laughs> so we 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 had actually met on a prior trip down because she was living here with her family, and um, you know, I thought she was cute, uh, but I didn't think anything of it. There was a trip down uh, that was really weird because I remember <laughs> I remember wanting to be in a relationship so bad. Never had a relationship before. And you know, all my friends are dating and and I remember seeing that going, oh I want that. All the wrong motives, right? But um I remember going, you know, I I remember seeing them having just like breakups. And it looked horrible. <laughs> I'm like that looks miserable. I don't want to go through that. So I remember saying, "God, you know, like just show me who I, who I should marry." And um, so during that trip, we're down and we're hanging out in a group. And I just, you know, I barely knew her. And I remember, I'm, and I'm 17 at the time. <laughs> and uh, I remember looking over, and the thought came into my head: I'm going to marry her. Right? it was just like it was this strong like i'm gonna marry her and you know looking back now i really it was i i feel like it was the lord saying see this one here she's one you should marry (laughs) um and i didn't know how to handle it and i uh you know i i messed like jeff said i messed up and i totally botched it made a lot of drama and i had uh, there's a mentor this before our relationship started yeah this is and and uh and i had a mentor down here who put my head on straight and said he flat out said you're you're being a baby and i don't think you have any chance with her um none but maybe you know if you if you go say sorry maybe i don't know <laughs> essentially so I did. He beg. He's like, if you just beg, you know, <laughs> put on the puppy, puppy dog eyes, and yeah. And uh, so, and then we yeah, we long distance relationship for a while, so like three three years long distance. Yeah. Or actually over no over three years, like three and a half years mm-hmm. long distance. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm originally from Canada. So after I was in high school, I went back up to Canada for university, and you were going to university in Kansas mm-hmm. City. So yeah, we had a long distance for a little while. Yeah. And what was the dream that God gave you, Rich? And that when you were very young, I mean, before, you know, 
Um, well, I'm I'm trying. I'm blanking on the dream. Enlighten me. Oh, like about you know taking care of kids and having a children's home and all that. Yeah, that dream. That like developed over time. Like I didn't really. I was the youngest. I was the youngest. You're used to getting taken care of. <laughs> uh, and so I never really imagined myself taking care of other people. I'm actually. I remember for a period too, not long, like I don't want to get married. Um, I had a bad view of marriage. Um, my young teen years and um it was it was actually it started developing at when i was at ihop at the international house of prayer doing their music school that i really uh started desiring to like want to be a dad and we were in a relationship at that time and um that's when i really started to grow i'd say um and the desire for missions uh that was sparked in me from I think I was like 13 I read I read a book called Brushko which my dad introduced to me I mean I had been already coming to Mexico on um these short-term trips but it was fun you know that's that was the uh it was vacation hang out time hang out uh but this book really really uh struck me because this guy was I think he was 19 when he moved to South America and went out to minister to the natives out in the boonies and almost got killed and translate and then translates the, the Bible in their language. And so that story really is like, wow, that's radical. I want to, I want to live radical. That sounds amazing. Um, so yeah, the, but the desire for children and, and wanting to raise children, yeah, that was, that kind of just grew over time. And, and there were some words spoken to Samantha as well um, over the years. She came for a visit out to IHOP, and one of my teachers was praying over her. And, and um, Terry, Terry, and she said, uh, "You're gonna what was it?" I see it as a, a mom to many children, but children of different colors. Yeah, many different colors. So he said, like a mother Teresa, and kind of in the background, not getting as much acknowledgement, but a huge ministry of it. Yeah. So these. That's beautiful. So what is it exactly you guys are doing down there in Mexico? Oh, man. Uh, Seems like it's always changing a little bit. Yeah. Um, So um, one thing, I mean, a lot of things. Okay, so one thing with, uh, we're really involved with our church. We have... um, a home church. We actually meet at our house mm-hmm. um, on, Sundays. on Sundays. Sometimes we might meet at other places, but uh, for a long season, we were just going house to house to house. And now we've kind of just camped at our place for a while. Um, got a nice shaded area in the back with all these trees. So, mm-hmm. um, so we're really involved with church, worship, um, the children's ministry in church. Uh, we... I'm I'm teaching music to other people who are involved in the worship as well. And um but at home on a daily basis, <laughs> we are fostering. We have four uh children that are under our care and then our three boys on top of it. So we have seven children right now. And uh it's interesting. It's but it's fun. Children and, of all different colors. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. My children being very white. <laughs> <laughs> but um 
Yeah, no, that's that's a daily ministry, and we just recently uh, had an addition. So these uh, these two older boys, well, twelve and ten, they just came in uh, to our home, and they're very excited about being worshipers and learning music. So it was very fitting that they came into our house. And, mm-hmm. um, Before they came, we had actually my sister Perla. Yeah. Our church has a discipleship program. And different leaders in the home take in the teenagers that are coming into the program. And it just so happened to be that my sister was going to enter the program. So she moved in with us. So yeah. we were also, you know, taking care of her and yeah. discipling her at the same time. Yeah. And you are recently are getting some cool opportunities to broaden with your teaching out yeah. in yeah. local, local areas. Yeah. We just recently got reached out to by, uh, there's, uh, organization here, the big, the big O, the mission, uh, what you call it. There's a lot of names for it, but um, they reached out to us about play. Um, sorry, about teaching music over there. They're in um, needed some help with, with training musicians. So me and the team are going to be going over every Friday and teaching a lot of worship, how to um, how to praise God with an instrument, with their voice, and, um, and also our landowner. And yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, our, our landlord, uh, who this is a Mormon community, a lot of a lot of Mormons here. Um, don't worry, they haven't got us yet. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, they reached. I was I was actually overpaying rent at our landlord's house, and she goes, "I was just about to leave." She stopped me. Hey, are you guys still doing music? Do you, do you guys still teach music? I'm like, yeah. She goes, are you interested? She goes, yeah. We we were doing music, and my kids got. So I guess they got disinterested with the teacher and so I said, we'd love to have you guys. Yeah. Come on over. We'll, we'll do music with you guys. And so it's cool. Just opening these doors opening with, um, with the community. Um, that particular is really cool because yeah. then we have a way to start connections with a lot of the other Mormon families yeah. that I feel very closed off before. Cause there's been mm-hmm. a lot of missionaries that live in this area where we live, but up until recently, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of like connections with them. So this is really cool to be able to, you know, start um, relationships with them yeah. and use um, teaching music as a tool for evangelism. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's cool. I was last week we were talking to Noah and just how um, he kind of started a church in his backyard, but it's not like what you would think. Um, mm-hmm. I think you 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 remember Slovakia? It's very traditional, very um, kind of maybe orthodox or routine, and they're are ritualistic. And some of the things that they do, you know, they have the hymnals and things. And I'm not bashing on that, but it's just not going to reach. Um, yeah, I would say most people nowadays. Yeah. And yeah. So he's just kind of been doing these dinners with his wife and people in the community, inviting people over who mm. kind of would never step foot in a church. And yeah. yet they're experiencing like a community and a fellowship that they're really hungry and and, mm. and they're loving it. They're loving it. And he's not really doing any kind of. Um, it's not like they have any kind of, I guess, uh, plan or not necessarily plan, but like any kind of agenda for that night that they're doing it. But it just seems like the Lord's been doing that. And it kind of reminds you about, you know, how, he's, how he's, he's like using unconventional ways to reach people. Maybe not, you know, like it's different than what you think your conventional yeah, national missionary is, and so our church is cool. We can't, I, I can't make it all the time. It's our date night when it happens. <laughs> we have a date night. And we're really sticking <laughs> to it. 
Yeah, I'm a kid. Yeah. On two on Tuesdays, our church does a. They go to the gymnasium in town and and play basketball. And uh, they've been having other people show up and join, and it's cool. Just this ministry of just having fun and people getting to see the body of Christ like play a game and and then sharing with them a little bit afterwards. Yeah, and you know, uh, I know they get tested sometimes, and people are like, "Oh, they're what are these guys all about?" <laughs> But uh, it's cool to just be Christ, even in even in those contexts as well. Yeah, I love our church here. It's very different because yeah. um, it's really feels like family. It's a smaller church, so we get to know each other a lot. And because mm-hmm. it's in people's homes, it has that feel of just being a gathering of fellowship. And you know, there is preaching of the word and worship, um, but it's very um, Holy Spirit led. And then afterwards, we always have a meal together, so that's always really fun. You get to fellowship and get to know each other more, and um, it's kind of, we do a lot of events like we have another church that we're just our church is not us but our church is um, church planting in an area that is really known for drugs and abuse and alcohol and so it's really cool to see just the body coming together and kind of like if there's an event going on the whole church just shows up and we all help out even if we don't have roles just for us like support so it's just the the way church is done with our church is so cool to be a part of something like that yeah. hmm. It does. It sounds exciting. It kind of makes me miss uh, God, you know. Uh, for those who don't know, yeah, definitely when you go to a church service in Mexico, it depends where you go, but um, down there it's very uh, spirit-led, and sometimes it's it's almost like, what is going on here? This is kind of chaotic, or this is insane, or whatnot. I'm not, I'm, you know, no one, no one's like waving banners or doing stuff like that, or that doing backflips, or, but it's like just different. It's um. But it's also amazing too to see what what happens when we let the Holy Spirit uh, yeah. kind of take the reins, and yeah. some very powerful things happen. I know, uh, Rich, you you're even sharing some stories of when like the Lord's been, uh, what He's been speaking to you two and whatnot, or like in a service or things that have, have happened. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we can go into that, but it's uh it's really powerful when you do that. Yeah. Um... Like, are you talking about the verse right now? Is that, or was he talking about in service? I, I lost you. It is like a recent, like something that God maybe did in your lives just recently. Share a story of something oh, that, oh, yeah, yeah. that happened. So, yeah, I was, I was thinking about it. And um, the probably the one that was the most, like, just stood out was something that wasn't like this one time thing. It was, you noticed it after the fact. Um, so like Samantha said earlier, we had, uh, her sister-in-law, Perla, not sister-in-law, my, my sister-in-law, her sister, uh, living in our house. And, um, she was with us for a year. She moved in last, uh, no, last September. Um, and to see the transformation in her life in that one year, it's pretty cool. Um, she, uh, I don't know if she's watching this or not, but she was a brat. But she, yeah, it was, um, it was very, there was a lot of, um, she wanted to go to college, for example. Um, she had been going in Ensenada, but that had to come to an end. And so she was trying to figure out how this is going to work out. And um, I said, I think, I think it would be really cool that you paid for your own school. Like we're able to get you to get yourself through college instead of always asking for dad to pay for it. And and I remember her saying, 
I can never do that. I, there's no way I could do that. And I said, you know, the fact that you're saying that says you have to do it now. <laughs> you have, you, you got to accomplish this goal because otherwise you're gonna you're gonna live the rest of your life going, I can't do these things on my own. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so it's just cool seeing where she, she, she's moved um, into the house two two doors down from us, and she's going to college. She's paying for it for herself, mm-hmm. and she's in love with the Lord, and uh, she wants. She she was not sure about relationships and marriage, and now mm-hmm. she's like, you know, I want to be in a godly marriage, and I want to, um, I want a husband I could respect and honor and do ministry with and do life with. Yeah, that was really cool because she has the mindset like, I don't know about marriage. I don't. Just yeah. seems like people like a divorce or they just settle for an unhappy marriage. Um, so she's like, I don't know what I think about that, and so it was just really cool to see just you know us pouring into her heart and her life, not just us, but other people in our church as well. And just seeing the growth come out of that and the yeah. person that she is, she's so much more confident now. She's so much more just focused on the Lord. Yeah. Um, so it's just really cool and encouraging for us to see like, yeah. wow, we can make a difference too. The Lord can use us. Yeah. So that's and, really cool. and, you know, the Lord brought others into our home and, and it didn't turn out. So um, it's, it was just, yeah, it was really encouraging mm-hmm. to, to see this with with her and um yeah pretty awesome jeff you want to move to the scripture yeah i was thinking um it would be pretty awesome what what scripture is uh currently speaking to you and right now and just be awesome to encourage some of the people uh, that are tuning in that are listening yeah um so yeah, the passage uh, I uh, is uh, Mark verse uh, Mark chapter eleven twelve through twenty five, and it's a really interesting passage. Um, and I was I was listening to someone teaching on this, and it really brought a lot of light for me because it was always a weird story to me um, that it was like, it, and it was almost discouraging in some ways as well. But it's um, I'll and then, put it out there if you want. Yeah, do you want me to read through it? or Yeah, let's, let's just yeah. read through it. I won't talk about it. So. Okay, so. Verse, so uh, the next. Oh, I got it on the screen. Oh, cool. Um, let me read this real quick. So. Um, this down here. There you go. So the next morning as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed the fig tree in full leaf a little way off. So he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. Is there more, John? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, they arrived, uh, when they arrived back in uh, Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves, and he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations but you have turned it into a den of thieves when the leading priests and the teachers of religion law religious law heard what jesus had done they began planning how to kill him but they were afraid of him because the people were so amazed at his teaching that evening jesus and the disciples left the city the next morning as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed uh the fig tree he had cursed the disciples noticed it 
had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you curse has withered and died. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive you your sins. So, really weird story. <laughs> but um, to kind of backtrack a little bit, um, so Jesus had just entered Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, Jerusalem was a very special city in, in biblical times. And if you go back to, to David, the story of David and what David did with, this, with bringing the, the tabernacle on top of the hill and establishing this is, this is the mountain of God. This is, this is where essentially we're going to be able to like create Eden again, a heaven on earth again. And God said to him, well, it's not going to be through you. It's going to be through your seed that I'll accomplish this. And you have Solomon coming into the picture and you think it's, it might be Solomon because Solomon's really promising and does all these amazing things. But then even Solomon becomes compromised because he marries, um, he marries all these wives, like 700 wives, and then creates all these high places of worship for, you know, for idols. And there wasn't high places too. That's what they're called is the high places. And so then you realize, you realize, okay, it's not Sol, yeah, it's not Solomon either. And over time, even Jerusalem becomes this compromised place of worship, where it was supposed to originally be this place where God and people met. Um, so in the context of Jesus, he's walk, he's in Jerusalem, and he sees a fig tree. And he, it's like almost he sees his opportunity to get his. Um, oh, there's an, there's one of our children. Knocking at the door. One of the seven kids are all. Yeah. Anyways, so um, Jesus, it's almost like this opportunity to be able to give like a a, a visual lesson, and he sees this fig tree, and fig uh, the fig tree is is a picture of Israel, and he curses it, and then in the story, what happens right after? He goes into the temple and he turns over, uh, the exchanging tables. He totally disrupts what's going on in in this place of worship, this false place of worship, really. I always, and I always, whenever I think of this, I always picture Vintage 21. Jeff, remember Vintage 21? Uh, the church? No, the videos. Remember the videos they made? I don't remember. I don't remember. They made these, they made these very, they, they were like uh, satire videos of the Jesus films. Oh. <laughs> Making fun of like all the I do remember that, yeah. And, 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 Jesus, over. and Jesus walks into the temple and like they dub it over and he goes, what? What in the name of me is going on here? <laughs> and he goes, he goes over to the tables and he flips over the tables, but he's like, there's that and there's that. Like passive aggressive Jesus. <laughs> so I, I always picture that when I, when I read this here. But so he goes over and he totally disrupts what's going on. And then he escalates to where the, the leaders are like, we got to kill this guy. It, it's getting really heated. It's getting close to where Jesus is going to be crucified, right? In the story. And then 
after that, then you you find yourself back at the fig tree again, and the disciples are amazed. Whoa, the tree withered. That's incredible. And then Jesus gives this really interesting teaching, and it seems so random because they're looking at this tree, and then and Jesus says to them, um, verse, "Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain." Go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. And I've heard many teachings on this, and I've heard, I, you know, a lot of times it's like, you know, if you have, when you have enough faith, you're able to accomplish many things with God. Um, but I don't think that's, I think actually something more profound is happening in this passage, is that when Jesus says, if you if anyone says to this mountain, what's this mountain? I mean, they're looking at a tree. So why all of a sudden is he bringing a mountain into it? And this mountain, he's referring to Jerusalem. He's referring to this place of worship. And he says, go throw yourself into the sea. And the sea was a picture in the, in the Old Testament of uh, a dis, of chaos, a disorder. Back all the way back to Genesis. So essentially, Jesus is saying, if you tell this false place of worship to be cast in the sea, it will, it will be, it will come to disorder. It will be torn down. And what happens like 40 years later? The temple is destroyed. And, um, that brings a lot more like, ah, okay, it's not because I prayed for this and it didn't happen because I don't have enough faith. That's not what this passage is saying, because a lot of people use it to mean that that you're you, know, you have to have more faith. But it's about these false places of worship. And so then I, I look at myself and think, Lord, what what false places of worship do I have in my own life? Like what what have I set up um that is not glorifying you, that is actually distracting me or keeping me from from what you're wanting to do in my life and others. And Lord, I want to, I want you to tear down these false places of worship. Now, that is a messy process because sometimes too, tearing down things is not easy. You might feel like, oh, this was a mistake, but, um, to be ready for that, if that were to come, like, Lord, tear this down and I'm ready for whatever, however you do it, however you tear this, this, uh, this false place of worship down in my own life. And um, it goes on after that to so believe that what they say will happen. There in verse 24, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your father in heaven may forgive your sins. And it just I read that and I immediately think of the Lord's Prayer. Lord, forgive us as we forgive others. And I think, I think there's a, a big emphasis as, as you read through the Gospels that, um, our ability to forgive has actually a huge effect on our, our prayer life and on, on our, its effectiveness on What's going to happen? What's the outcome of our prayer? Um, so recently, actually, I've had to, I've had to go through this. I've had to forgive and it was, it was really hard. 
I had to forgive someone that um, uh, I, it was a struggle. It was really hard, but it was in its brother in Christ. Um, but I'm so glad I did. I, I built like I built up this big thing in my mind to keep me from doing it. And when I did it, I was like, oh, <laughs> that was therapy. I needed that so much. And we were able to reconcile and it, it was awesome. And, and then I noticed I thought clearly again. I noticed that what happened when, when these these things of um, unforgiveness start building up and it's always subtle. It's never it's never like. Well, if it's blunt and really quick, the enemy knows, oh man, I can't catch him off guard. I have to bring this in very subtly. And a little bit here, and a little bit there. And um, I start noticing when, when this happens, though, I start, like, I was really doubting us here, mm-hmm. our ministry here. I was really doubting it. I can't, I'm like, I can't justify being here. And, and I realized the root of all this was my unforgiveness I had. And it all, and I can't, you know, the unforgiveness was just, it was mostly just a lot of miscommunication. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually me not taking up my role as, uh, as head of the house. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had, I really had to approach it humbly and, um, and it was really, it was awesome. It was, it brought so much clarity. <laughs> it did. Your countenance after you went and yeah. this guy was, you came back and I was like, okay. Yeah. I was like, when I left, I was like going to the gallows and when I came back, I was <laughs> Yeah, it was like David before, you know, the, before Ark. The, the Ark of the Covenant. So it was, it was really cool. Um, and that's something I just want to encourage people with that. It is don't harbor, don't harbor unforgiveness. Mm-hmm. Don't keep that. That is, we as Christians, that is like one of the foundational things about us. That's one of the things that should, should shine about us is our ability to forgive. And, and then you don't want, I mean, I, I, there's a great teaching. Tim Mackey gives a great teaching on forgiveness on Matthew 18. And it's, you know, not, he talks also about what forgiveness is not because you don't want to go on that, that spectrum of being a doormat. Um, but he talks about it and uh, it really just brings so much clarity. It's, it's almost like it's more for you, the forgiveness. Uh, I think it's a huge blessing. Um, forgiveness is a huge, huge blessing and it's a, it's like a skill, right? I mean, it's a divine skill because I don't think it's possible, humanly speaking, to do it on your own. It has to really be the grace of God working on our life. But I do, I do see how it, it can become easier mm-hmm. uh, the more you do it. But I was kind of, when you were talking about that, like Kim always talks about uh, spiritual warfare and like how the enemy can subtly, and I think a lot of people in our audience, maybe they haven't experienced that. Uh, I just thought maybe Kim, you could maybe explain that a little bit. Maybe someone that doesn't know what that is like or how that happens. Yeah, I think um, a lot of times people aren't aware. They have thoughts in their mind. And, um, you know, like maybe somebody, you know, you're at church and you say hi to someone and they ignore you. Or um, it could be uh, any number of things that happen. and the enemy starts to whisper in your ear and tell you, oh, they don't like you or they're against you or, you know, the enemy will just start. He's called the accuser of the brethren. And so he'll come and he'll accuse them to you. And when you agree with him, then you start to harbor resentment and unforgiveness in your heart. 
And then they'll do something else and you'll go, oh, see, I, see, that just confirms right there. You know, they're, they're not for me. They're against me. They don't like me. Yeah. And then pretty soon um, you have this unforgiveness in your heart and you can't even be around that. that yeah. person. I can't tell you how many people have actually left churches because they've been offended and they can't forgive. And so they yeah. got to go somewhere else. Um, so this lesson of forgiveness, I feel like it's huge. Um, it's, oh, yeah. it's key to your healing and your freedom. It is actually, it's for you. Yeah. The more you release people, the, the faster you forgive people, the freer you become. Mm-hmm. And so this is a key, a key lesson. I know Jeff teaches a lot about forgiveness and I know a lot of the inner healing work that we do. Not all of it, but a lot of it does have to do with forgiveness. And it's yeah. really, you're saying, you're breaking agreement with the enemy who's telling you don't forgive them, hate them. Um, he starts to divide you and make you just feel awful. Yeah. And so when you release forgiveness, you get set free from that unforgiveness in your heart. And yeah. then the unity comes back. Yeah. Because really you don't want to listen to the enemy about what he's saying about anything in your own life or other people's life. You want to listen to what God's saying and you want to agree with God about that person. Like, oh, they're wonderful. They're fearfully and wonderfully made. They're made in God's image. They're, you know, they're awesome. Yeah. Don't listen to the enemy. Yeah. And so sometimes we we think it's our own thoughts, but yeah. it's the enemy sneaking in and and trying to get us to get anger and bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness in our heart so that we'll we'll be in bondage. And then we can't pray and we can't talk to people because we're all we're all offended yeah. so that i thank you for sharing that rich i feel like mm-hmm. that's such a powerful lesson and i know you shared that story with me last week when we talked and i was so blessed by it and mm-hmm. sam i think you also have a testimony that you want to share with us about I a scripture do. that's really important to you i do and it's really actually kind of goes along with what he shared about tearing down the high places and um my story starts back before i even became a parent I always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, that I would love it, be so good at it. I knew there'd be some hard days, but overall, I was like, just thought, this is my calling, this is everything. And, uh, you know, the first baby comes, and then the sleep deprivation comes. And <laughs> not colicky, but he was, um, our son, oldest Wesley, he wasn't colicky, but um, until he was three months, like, he just did not want to be put down. Otherwise, he would just cry all the time. And Rich was working um, at that point, I think, seven days a week. So I really felt like on my own for a lot. Um, but anyway, that was, I think for most moms, becoming a mom just really rocks your world and you really struggle with who am I with my identity now. And I, I started to, um, find myself in these funks, I would call them these moods that would come. And it wasn't just, you know, once a month, it was several times a month and sometimes it would last for a day or a few days. And we didn't know what was going on. I had some friends say, well, maybe it's, you know, postpartum depression. Maybe you should go see a doctor about it. I just had this feeling it wasn't. So I never looked into that. Um, and we, we didn't know what it was. And I think Rich, too, he would say, like, when one was coming on, he like, well, I hope it doesn't last long this time. Mm-hmm. He had no idea what it was, what brought it on or how to get rid of it, or what, you know, what it was. And um, I remember during that time, I would be starting to really resent being a mom. And I remember I would say things like, um, I'm in a prison. I'm in a prison of my making because I chose to be a stay-at-home mom. And I remember I would start to be resentful of him and very jealous that even though he had to go work, 
you have to be with adults and you don't have to wipe butts all day and just clean and cook and wipe butts again, you know, and just cycle. And I really started to really struggle with my calling of being at home and with the kids. Um, and then we moved down here to Mexico and, um, uh, I started getting involved in ministry back then. I was a, a youth group leader for our church with the girls. And I also was teaching a nutritional and cooking class at that point. And when I was asked to take on those roles, I was so excited because I thought, yay, now I'll have like purpose outside of being a mom. And uh, that wasn't the case because now I had to find time to study for those lessons. And of course, you have the kids with the interruptions all the time. And so obviously that was not the answer. And at one point in one leadership meeting, our pastor asked you know, everyone in the group to go home and ask the Lord, what are some patterns in my life that maybe I'm not even conscious of? that are hindering me from my walk with the Lord or for, you know, what God has for me. So I went home and I asked the Lord, I'm like, okay, God, so reveal it to me. What What's something in my life right now that I'm doing that needs to stop because it's just robbing me of what you have for me? And he told me self-pity. And he started to reveal to me that basically um, all those funks that I would have were really big, giant self-pity parties that I was throwing. And he reminded me of the thoughts that I would have, you know, I'm in a prison and, you know, how unfair it is that my husband gets to go out and be with people and I have to be home and I can't go out very long so I have to come back and breastfeed and, right, like all these thoughts that were just, you know, criticism and complaining and self-pity and, you know, self, um, not self, um, sleep deprivation, you know, that's just the cherry on the top, but, and that's true and real, but um, those other thoughts were just not, not helpful at all. And so, um when I started to become more aware of that, that that's what it was, I asked the Lord, so like, how does it work? How does, how does it become this huge funk thing that I get into? And he told me, it just starts with one thought, one thought that you come into agreement with. And then it carries on from there, like a snowball effect. So for instance, and you know, this has happened a few times, but um, I'm up at night with the kids because they're scared or they're sick. And Rich is a very deep sleeper. So he sleeps through all of it. And I get up in the morning and I feel completely unrested. And I feel like oh, I really deserve sleep in, right? I've had a rough night. I need to sleep. I'm cranky. I'm tired. Um, but he wants to sleep in. And because he's a deep sleeper, he keeps sleeping. And the kids wake up and they need to eat. So I'm like, oh, I have to get up there, right? And then the thought starts coming. How unfair is this? I was the one that was up last night. He, he should be the one helping. And that's just where that one thought comes in. And then you just attach other things like, oh, yeah, remember that other time this happened and that was unfair. And then what if this happens again and just becomes this big snowball effect? And it may even be something that you feel like you can justify to be like, yeah, I deserve to think this way. I deserve to be mad at this because, I mean, I should get some sleep. You know, it could be something you feel like you should justify. But I really started to realize that it's not worth it to rob me of my joy and my peace. Like, who cares? get over it, move on. Because as the parents, especially as the mom, you know, that saying that says, if mom ain't happy, nobody happy, because we affect the atmosphere in the home. Um, especially if, you know, he's home a lot because of the nature of our ministry here. But, you know, the moms are usually typically the ones that are home the most. And if I'm in a bad mood, it typically affects the way I treat others in the home, what, how I treat him, how I treat the kids. So I've come to a point where I've been able to come to realize, you know, when thoughts come in, to take it to scripture. And that's where I wanted to bring in Philippians 4, 8. Um, I'll just read it here. 
And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Putting, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. So that has been something I've been trying to really be on guard of is when I'm starting to get into a mood and I, I had to be really um, humble and tell Rich, like, this is what's going on. This is what you know these bugs are all about. And I need your help. I need you to help me catch them. So it's gotten a lot better recently, but especially in the beginning, he would be, if he noticed it before I did, he'd be like, Hey, let's go in the bedroom, have a talk, you know, let's figure out, you know, where, where's this coming from? And usually he'd help me pinpoint, you know, where that thought, you know, came from. Like one time I was having a mood and I didn't really know why. And I was able to pinpoint it back to the first thing I did when I woke up in the mornings, I went on Facebook and I saw a discussion that two relatives were having and they were getting kind of disrespectful with each other. And I'm the kind of person who really hates conflict, especially with family. And I started getting anxious that they were treating each other that way. And I let that thought, I let emotion attached to that thought. And then I let myself become anxious and then that mood was created. And then I spread it to the rest of the home. And so being able to just realize, you know, when thoughts come in, like, is this from the Lord or is this not? Is this true or this is this not? Um, so I've had so much more peace and joy this year. Um, this year, actually, we're almost completed 10 years of marriage. It's been mm-hmm. our best year. We both agree. Thank you. <laughs> it's been our, our best year. And there's been other things the Lord's taught us. But that one has been huge because those funks, man, they just they ruined everything. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been really cool to have the Lord. I got a new that. wife. It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> it always goes back to Facebook. I'm telling you guys. <laughs> if, you wanna, if you wanna get upset or whatever, just go on Facebook. I know. But no, that's so key. People don't realize that, you know, you, you go on this merry-go-round of hurt, right? You just go in, we go in circles a lot and we get triggered and we don't know why. I think that was so perfect what the Lord has been teaching you of how to like go back to that. What's, what's actually the root of this? What's causing this and identifying what's the lie that's happening. And then even doing that as a married couple, right? Well, Richie is now helping you. You're helping him too, because a lot of times we don't, we're not, it's an unconscious thing. Right. Why like the Holy Spirit had to bring it to your mind of like, because it was just an unconscious thing that was happening. And it just slipped in there and it just became a pattern and just grew and grew and grew and until the Holy Spirit revealed like, hey, this is this is coming from kind of the spirit of self-pity and and then even asking the Holy Spirit. That's amazing. I think that's going to speak to a lot of people um, just about because I think that there's a lot of people that feel that way, too, you know, especially in our day where it's almost looked down upon to be a stay-at-home mom or other women shame other women to do that. But it's an amazing thing because, yeah, like. Just yeah, having yeah. raising well balanced and godly kids is such a difficult mm-hmm. thing. I, mm-hmm. It really is. It really is, and it's it. That's a that's a, a blessing that you're gonna invest in those seven uh, children that are going to be able to come from a rock solid family like that. But I know we're kind of winding down to our end. But before we get to the the end of it, I I want to kind of know like what is your dream for Mexico. Um, just like you have like a dream for Mexico. What do you want to see God do down there? So because, you know, Rich is more like giftings and music, we really want to see us 
with our church, not just us. Our, ch- our church is a big part of it. We don't really work all by ourselves. We're with yeah. our church. And mm-hmm. so we see um, lifting up, raising up worship warriors. Pam talked a little bit about spiritual warfare. Worship is a huge weapon that we can use against the enemy. Like when you're having self-pity or whatever it is, like singing to the Lord or worshiping the Lord with music. You can see it all in the Psalms of how that was just a huge um, weapon against the enemy. And so we are raising a lot of um, worship leaders and um, in our church. There's a lot of youth that go to our church that are in a music program that Rich is involved in with teaching, even our, our young ones. So all of our kids just started joining um, a, a young kids class. So we see um, we see like an army of worship warriors who are using that gift of worship to war against the enemy to bring glory to God and use it as a tool of evangelism. Like we mentioned before, it's really cool how we get to kind of like not sneak in the gospel, but use worship as a tool to then also bring in the gospel with it. So yeah. Imagine school of rock and I'm Jack Black. (laughs) (laughs) You kind of are like Jack Black. (laughs) Very skinny. And uh, and also with um, the kids that we have. So part of that, raising them up also in worship and in music but also our goal is for them is to have restoration with their parents, mm-hmm. reconciliation and restoration. Yeah. With their parents. Yeah. Wow. That's so awesome. That's an amazing, amazing thing. And I know Kim was, uh, how long were you a missionary there, Kim? I was in Mexico from 2002 to 2016. And it's actually really fascinating because, you know, it was so cute to hear, like, hear you guys talk about what God has done in Perla's life in the, in, in one year. Yeah. And when I met, when I met um, Samantha, she was like 14 and her parents had just moved down from Canada. And I was actually her like junior high, high school teacher. Yes, you were. Yeah. And, um, and then Richie was just like this wild child with a guitar who just liked to have a lot of fun. And I remember that, that time that you came down and you guys were tearing down the house. He was actually, he was standing on a piece of wood that he was trying to knock down. And I thought, oh my gosh, he's going to get hurt. And his yeah, mom's going to kill me. Uh, your mom's going to get down. Your mom's going to hurt, kill me. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, it's just been, it's been so much fun to watch you guys grow and flourish and blossom and, um, and really come into this season of like, you know, a beautiful marriage and just, you guys are such an amazing blessing to the kids that are in your home and to the church and to that community. So it's just, it's been such an honor to watch your, your process. And I remember telling Samantha when she was like, she's probably like 16. And I remember I had a flash of her, like seeing her as an adult, like in a tennis, like in a tennis skirt, a white tennis skirt, you know, and I saw her like being this really like cool like mom kind of sporty mom and uh it was really awesome and so just to see like you know where you guys are now and and who you've become um it's just it's so beautiful to watch the purposes of god unfold in your in your guys's life and so i love you guys i think also if i can share something else um so you know we're part of raising up disciples but i kind of want to just just bring it down, make it really basic. Cause I feel like, like I grew up a little bit as a missionary kid. I was 14 when my parents moved down here. And whenever we mentioned being missionaries, it was like, you're put on a pedestal mm-hmm. and people kind of think, Oh, like you have to like have it all together to be a missionary or know a lot about God to be a missionary. Mm-hmm. You can be a missionary anywhere where you're at. And what I want to say and just kind of humble ourselves is, so we're helping to raise disciples, but 
I feel, I know God's used us for sure, but I think we can both say that coming down here, and God told me this. He actually told me before I came down, because I actually, even though I came from here, I lived here for four and a half years, um, when we felt like God was calling us to come down, I did not want to come down. I Everything was comfortable up there. I was just about to start homeschooling a community. I didn't want to be all by myself like I am right now with homeschooling. Um, and I knew that I had this feeling that I'd be sick a lot, and I was the first year. I was sick probably more days than I was healthy. That's why the first year was so hard. Um, but the Lord told me before he moved down um, that he says, you are Gomer. You are the prostitute in Hosea. And I'm going to lead you out into the wilderness and take away all those comforts and things so you can find me again. And so I can heal places in your heart. And that's exactly what he's doing. This is the one, you know, thing I mentioned with the self-pity. There's been so many other things. But um, God is really like working on our hearts. We're being discipled just as much as we're discipling others. So I just want to realize that it's not like, you know, we're these amazing missionaries and we've got it all together. We do not got it all together. We need your prayers. And you too, wherever you're at, whatever gifting you have, you can use that to reach others. Yeah. That's awesome. How can we pray for for, uh, you two? I know people want to... Just continuing to live by the Spirit, um, and um, continuing to, to be able to just live uh, a life of um, openness with you know our community here, um, not not letting the enemy have any mm-hmm. fo- foothold in our life, but being able to be open on you know having you know back to what I I had to do recently, uh, having those hard conversations. And, when you when you need to with someone um when you need you know being able to confront and not shying away from confrontation that's something that yeah that's <laughs> always uh I, i've shied away from that from my childhood there's a there's something happened when i was a kid that just caused me to just shy away from confrontation and um so yeah just continuing to grow in that um and really stepping more and more into uh, for, for me this is stepping more and more into my leadership role mm-hmm. um in, in my house mm-hmm. and um you know being able to say no to certain people uh when i need to say no being able to um yeah have yeah have those hard conversations mm-hmm. um but always doing it in humility mm-hmm. uh because i don't want to become prideful and arrogant mm-hmm. um that's really that's like my main thing that's my mind's focusing on right now for me, I'd also add in, now we have a 10, 12-year-old living mm-hmm. with us. And our oldest before that was my son, Wesley, who's only about to turn eight. So preaching. So wisdom. I need wisdom. We had a teenager. We did. We had, we've had we had like two teenagers. We have. But and that was were, interesting. But they were only here for a bit. So yeah. um, uh, just prayer for that. But yeah, no, yeah, prayer and just connection with these boys too. Yes. Was, you know, last night was actually fun. We were, uh, mm-hmm. we were playing this word game. Of, well, they were speaking F.A. So, oh, yeah, F.A. And so you're taking Spanish words and like, it's like pig Latin. Uh-huh. So we were doing that with them and quit, you know, trying to catch each other off guard. Is finding ways yeah. to connect with them. They've only been with us, I think, like a week or so. Yeah. Um, so finding ways to connect with them, him with learning Spanish and being able to connect with them. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. Kim, do you want to you want to pray for them before we? Yeah, I do. And I also just want to mention um, it's really hard when you're on the mission field and you um, I think one of the hardest things I know it was really challenging for me, but I just want to speak on their behalf too, 
it's really hard um, to ask for finances. And so, and missionaries always seem to need finances. You know, they have lots of kids in their home. And so um, if you are interested in supporting them, I know Jeremy was really good. I'm not as te technologically advanced, but you can actually go to Loving the World and um, you can you can help support them and the kids that are living in their house too. Um, so if you're interested in doing that, we really want to help support them financially in prayer and in every way that we can. And so um, you can go to Loving the World. I think you could even do it on the Journey app. It just, instead of pushing tithe, you would cho choose like missions and then you would put um, Richie and Samantha Payne in the, in the, so I just wanted to do that plug for them because it's easier for me to ask money for them than it is for me to ask money for me. But yeah, I would like to just pray for them and bless them and just bless um, the work that they're doing up down there. And so, Father, I just praise you and I thank you for this amazing young couple. I thank you for the things that you're doing in them and for the things that you're doing through them. I pray that you would bless them and cause them to flourish and prosper. I pray for the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be upon their lives. I pray that they would raise up a whole generation of worship warriors, God that they would see the dream in your heart for Mexico, that many young people would come to you and they would worship you and they would seek you. And Father, I just pray your blessing upon that region. I pray that you would have your way. I thank you so much for your heart for us and for the nations. And so I just pray your blessing upon this family and your protection upon them. And I pray that you would provide for them in every way. Thank you for their testimonies. Thank you for, for just who they are. And I pray that they would bring glory and honor to your name and advance your kingdom in that region of the world. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.